You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mac Jones is a different guy, guy you mentioned. Not an elite arm but good enough to be able to work the football. He is really poised. He needs a clean pocket, so you can't move him around. You can't give him a dirty pocket and have him step up and, and be able to avoid. That's not what he's going to do. So if you're that's what you're looking for, you don't want a guy like that. But he's a guy that I think he can do a lot of the things that a Matt Ryan can do. You know, I think he's a kind of a, an upgrade version from what an Andy Dalton is, but he reminds me of Andy in his ability to process. Two days away from the NFL draft. And boy, there are some great storylines that we're going to talk about today on the podcast, we're going to have our guest, then our crowd ultra Q&A, and my rant. Of course, the draft this year starts at the number three selection of the San Francisco 49ers. We know that Trevor Lawrence is going number one to Jacksonville. And when's the last time there was this much hype on the number one pick in the NFL draft? And what type of career will Lawrence have? Will he be a guy we look back on in 25 years and he's in the Hall of Fame? Or will we look back at him and say, yeah, you know what? He was good, but he wasn't the best quarterback in this year's draft. And speaking of the quarterbacks in this year's draft, you know, if you look at Lawrence, you look at Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, could this be a quarterback class like 2004 when you had Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, of course, Manning and Roethlisberger with Super Bowl rings. Rivers, an outstanding career, but didn't get to the big game. And then when we look back at this draft, who will we consider the best player on the board? Now, I know everyone talks about quarterback this and quarterback that. But when you look at just raw talent, everyone is just talking about Kyle Pitts, the tight end, out of Florida. I mean, he has all of the makings of an elite player in the NFL. And if you don't think tight end is important, just look at George Kittle and the San Francisco 49ers. So it all starts on Thursday. Looking forward to it. Uh, a couple of other storylines between now and then. Will Jimmy Garoppolo be a 49er? Will the New England Patriots make a move on draft night? to move up and get that quarterback that still remains 
Because if you figure that Lawrence, Wilson, and then Fields, Jones, Lance, if one of those guys is available towards the bottom of 9, 10, 11, 12, 9, 10, 11, 12, will, will New England make a move to go out and get a quarterback? So going to be a lot of fun. That's coming up on Thursday. And again, today we are going to talk about the NFL draft. Going to be a lot of fun. Today's show is brought to you by New Works Plumbing. Locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years, whether it's leak detection, maybe water line repair, bathroom plumbing, New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. And they're expert technicians. They're available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Check out newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. We talk more about the upcoming NFL draft. I've always said I think he has uh, the best football website for knowledge, whether it's recruits coming out of high school in the college, college football, the NFL. They break it down, uh, every team, every player. Uh, it's fascinating. It's LandryFootball.com. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the show Chris Landry. Chris, how are you? Grant, I'm doing well. Good to be back with you again at that time of year, man. Boy, it is that type uh, that time of year. What adjective would you use to describe this year's quarterback class? You know, I think it's very good, lots of potential. I think there's some guys that can be quality starters, but we're seeing more and more, Grant, in the modern age of players leaving early. We don't have as many starts as we normally did. It used to be where you talk about you follow and study a guy and, all right, yeah, boy, he's just a junior. He's played three years, got another year, and that, that doesn't happen anymore. So you, you're looking at people, let's take like a Trey Lance. He's got a lot of ability. He started 25 games at quarterback in his life, mm. high school, college. It's not a whole lot there. So you really are talking about someone that you, know, you don't have a lot to go on. So, But, yeah, I think there's some intrigue, and usually uh, it's usually the guys that are at the top that are going to have the best chance of succeeding. You talk about Trey Lance, the pandemic obviously cutting his collegiate career short with no combine and everything else associated with the pandemic. How has that changed or affected the way scouts and football personnel evaluate this draft class? Well, you know, it hurts it. Everybody's having to deal with it, so nobody has an advantage over the others, but I think there's a greater chance to make mistakes. Let's go back to the fall. Well, as you mentioned, some of these guys haven't had a chance to play this year. Um, scouts haven't had a chance to make the school visits. So face-to-face visits with coaches, you know, academic advisors, equipment guys, trainers, all those things where you can get all the nooks and crannies of the information, you, you, you don't have that as much. The medical information is a scramble. Grant, you know I do consulting work for teams, and right now I've been in meetings. Man, it is like a scramble to figure out the medicals because you didn't have the combine. Let's remind folks that the COVID hit, meaning the shutdown hit in this country, right after the combine last year. So at least you had all the medicals last for last year's draft. This year, not the case. Everybody's scrambling. We had a makeshift medicals a couple of weeks ago. You know, everybody's a little bit concerned that they're going to make a mistake. So how aggressive do you want to be? How risky do you want to be? How much clout do you have in the organization? How safe is your situation? There's a lot of unknown because you just some guys didn't play as much. 
and certainly the exposure to watch them play is not as normal. Chris, let's start with Trevor Lawrence, who is going to go number one to Jacksonville, barring a miracle. Do you feel he's clear-cut best quarterback in this draft? Yeah, I do. Uh, He's a unique generational talent, unbelievable physical size, athleticism, arm talent, an alpha dog leader. I went to Clemson the year he came out of high school in the spring. He was an early admit. And, and, you know, they had Kelly Bryant, if you remember. They were really good. They were going to the playoffs and playing for titles. And coaches told me then, we got this freshman coming in, which I knew Trevor and coming out of Cartersville, Georgia. Um, they said that he's, he's the best leader we have. He's only been here like a month. Yeah. He's, he's, he's unique in that he's good at processing information and tangibles. He's got everything you look for with that said, and this goes to any quarterback. How are you going to develop a quarterback? Are you going to put a team around a quarterback? That's going to be the key. Just as an aside note, if if we were to throw Sam Darnold in this draft, the Jets would probably take Sam Darnold number two. Wow. You, you know, but but because Sam Darnold, they didn't develop him, uh, didn't develop a team around him. They don't even know what Sam Darnold is. So the Jets are going to move on and take another quarterback, and we're going to see what Sam Darnold can do in Carolina because it's not that Sam Darnold was or wasn't. We don't even know. They were so bad around him that you couldn't even evaluate him. So the whole point is Trevor, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, when people say, this is going to be the best quarterback, you know who's probably going to be the best quarterback? Whoever the Niners take because they have the better team, and they're probably going to put the the better supporting cast around them. Look look how much better Josh Allen got. Third year, playing well, look how good Buffalo is. Look at um, Patrick Mahomes. There's a lot to do with it. I mean, how good is Matthew Stafford? Well, he's not a winner. He can't do this. Well, it, it hurts you a little bit in Detroit. You, you're an Aaron Rodgers who's probably a little better, and not probably, definitely a little better than, than Matthew Stafford, but that much better. Probably put Aaron Rodgers in Detroit. It's not the same. So my point is there are guys that have a chance, but their chances are enhanced or mitigated relative to where they go who coaches them? That's the other thing. If if you get drafted by a team, are the same guy going to be coaching you in three years, or are you going to be on another coordinator, another head coach? That 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 is that fluctuation usually makes the turnover and makes guys quote unquote successful or unsuccessful. I think you make a great point about San Francisco. And so if I'm waiting to hear my name called, assuming that Trevor Lawrence is going to go one and assuming that Zach Wilson is going to go two, but even if I'm Zach Wilson, and I hope this doesn't sound like a crazy question, but wouldn't it be better? And I know he's not going to San Francisco, but if I'm a quarterback not named Trevor Lawrence, I'm just praying that the Niners call out my name because I'm with you. That's the best offensive line of the teams we're talking about. Kyle Shanahan, everything else. I think that's a that's a good situation, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you, even if you are Trevor Lawrence, you're Zach Wilson. I mean, you probably like that situation in San Francisco. Yeah, you like being the number one overall pick. I get that. Right. But the money differential is not the same. I mean, you know, remember when we were dealing with the last, you know, bonus baby was Sam Bradford. Well, you know, $50 million guaranteed to come out. You don't get that anymore. So the number one slotted pick is going to get more than two, you know, a little bit more than three, so on and so forth. But the reality is the big contract comes in the second year. So 
<laughs> How would you rather be? Would you rather be Patrick Mahomes? Look at the contract he's got. Would you rather be in Josh Allen's situation or Sam Darnold? I mean, think about it. Yep. Sam Darnold's going to have to prove it in Carolina. He was not able to do it in, in New York with the Jets, but those two guys have now been able to prove it. They've earned their contract, but they didn't do it by themselves. So I, I think it's, it's, it's really an important factor. And it's going to be interesting to see what San Francisco does. They, when they moved up three, we knew they loved three guys, and I'm going to assume they love three quarterbacks. Well, one of them's going to be there. They like one more than the other. They're not going to share that, nor should they. And they're going to take it, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do because if they go Mac Jones, it says, you know, the quick processor, pocket guy, gets the ball out quick. Can I, I, I know that Kyle probably sees a lot of Matt Ryan in Mac Jones, and, you know, I think that excites him. Or if they go with Justin Fields, for example, then you got a mobile guy you can do different things with athletically. So I could see both of them. I could see Kyle having success with both, but there's a reason and there's a method to his madness, and I'm curious to see which way they go. There's such different quarterbacks. When you talk about Justin Fields and Mac Jones, your job, you break these things down piece by piece. You look at every snap that they played in high school, in college. So let's talk specifically about those two two quarterbacks, Fields and Jones, and how you rate them. Well, Fields is very athletic, very talented. His upside is, you know, between Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's, he's that type of ability. Really, really good-looking physical specimen that can drive the football. He is a much, much better runner than people know. They didn't run him a lot. So as you want to do things outside the pocket, I think he can do that extremely well. You know, he doesn't have a, a lot of reps in terms of the field vision. and uh, He can learn. He's bright. He's hard worker. But certainly making the adjustment, it's going to be an issue. Only a two-year starter at Ohio State. That Georgia, he obviously made the transfer. But I think he's got a a lot of upside. I think he's a guy that you have to – you're going to have to bring him along at a little bit of a different pace, not because anything mentally, but just experience-wise, he's coming from a little different system. But if you embrace some of the things he can do, and we're talking about a coach that was on the staff, and I know it didn't work out all that well long-term, but he was with his dad when they moved up and drafted RG3 and said, we're going to do something with this guy. Uh, there's no question in my mind that Justin Fields can throw it, can throw it accurately, can throw it on the move, can throw it from the pocket, throw it outside the pocket. He's just going to need time to develop. There's no question about it. But I think he's got, like like I said, some of the Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott traits in his game. Mac Jones is a different guy, guy you mentioned. Not an elite arm, but good enough to be able to work the football he is really poised. He needs a clean pocket, so you can't move him around. You can't give him a dirty pocket and have him step up and, and be able to avoid. That's not what he's going to do. So if you're that's what you're looking for, you don't want a guy like that. But he's a guy that I think he can do a lot of the things that a Matt Ryan can do. You know, I think he's a kind of a, an upgrade version from what an Andy Dalton is, but he reminds me of Andy in his ability to process. When we kind of worked Andy coming out of TCU, understood the game, had a feel for it. This guy is a true gym rat. This is kind of what you want from the neck up. Physically, you'd like a little more. Mentally, poise-wise, really, really good. Just 
not a, not somebody that's going to be successful. If you are trying to work in the modern day offenses of a move quarterback, he's not your guy, and most teams won't have him that high. But if you want a processor, um, they, uh, I could absolutely see it. Here's a little dirty little secret that nobody will tell you about San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo. They like him, but he's not as quick processing and seeing the field. And so if they go with Mac Jones, to me, that's the reason. They want somebody that can allow Kyle to run his entire offense, meaning they're going to be, you know, be able to process quickly, get the ball out quickly. We have to build a good offensive line. We have to build a good pocket for you. You just take care of processing, and we'll put this offense in place for you to orchestrate. Or if they decide to go with Justin Fields, and, and they've decided already, but what, I don't know what they've decided. If they, Justin Fields, it's going to be the move guy that's going to be able to do things. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting uh, to see how this plays out. Chris, how many quarterbacks could you see going in the first round? And is there one of those that eh, you don't feel people are talking about enough that really has caught your eye? Five will go in the first round. Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Jones, and Lance will go. I don't think Kyle Trask will slip into the bottom of the first round. I've got a a mid to late second round grade on Kyle Trask. Somebody that has a high second round grade on him in the league, and there are a few, might want to take him late first round only to get the fifth-year option on a rookie quarterback. So there's an outside possibility of, you know, a six, but I think it's five. I don't think there's a whole lot behind him. I think Davis Mills from Stanford, a highly regarded quarterback coming out of high school, I think he's got some things to work with. I like Jamie Newman. I wish he would have played at at Georgia this past year. I like what he did at Wake Forest. I think he has some value. The issue with these quarterbacks, though, Grant, is they're all overvalued, so you're going to have an overdraft. For example, there's some people in the league that like Kellen Mond as the top 50 player in this draft. I, I wouldn't take him to the fourth round. He'll be long gone before then. I just don't have him graded that way, and maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. I think those are the guys. I think the other guys are just vying for a backup role. I think a guy like Shane Bouchel of SMU could be a quality backup, uh, maybe even a Peyton Ramsey type of guy of Northwestern. But those are backup type guys. Zach Smith of Tulsa is intriguing. But we're talking about backup guys that are non, non-threats to start in the league. We have a lot of people that listen to this podcast from Northern California. Let's spend just a moment and talk about Ian Book. Late round pick, where do you project him? Yeah, I think Ian will be a later round pick. I think he's been at a, a nice career. I think Brian's done a good job with him. He's not the biggest guy around, and, and he doesn't have the skill sets to overcome that as much as maybe some might. I think he is a late round guy. I think he's his touch for a guy his size, if he's going to be a really good quarterback that's a make-it guy, you've got to have really good touch if you don't have great size or great arm. I think he's got value more on the fifth round. He's probably going to go anywhere late third to early fourth. Um, but he's an instinctive guy. I think he can extend plays. I think he's shown an ability to be a winner. I think he's a backup quarterback. And I think there's nothing wrong with that in in the NFL. I think he can make a team. I think because he's instinctive, because he's smart, because he has some mobility, I think he can have that type of role. Can he 
potentially start, like a lot of these backup quarterbacks get starting opportunities and look good for a short stretch, you betcha. But I think the longer he plays, the more he would be exposed. So, listen, my hope for him, uh, he'll get drafted, he'll be in a camp, finds a good situation, um, and, and earns a nice, you know, check in the opportunity as a backup quarterback. And you never know what opportunities they play on, but it's rare. So the kid from Eldorado Hills, Oak Ridge, uh, is, uh, I think, got a chance to make it as a backup in this league. Chris, if we talk about a player, not a quarterback, it seems like everyone's licking their chops over Kyle Pitts out of Florida. How special do you think he can be? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, i tell you who he is. He's Darren Waller, you know, with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a freak athlete, Travis Kelsey. Just, you know, he's just, he's, He's 6055. I mean, he's almost 6'6. He's 245, and he moves like a receiver. I mean, he's athletic. You know, he's born in the Philadelphia area, highly recruited kid. You know, so it's not like he just came out of nowhere. He came out of the state of Pennsylvania the same year, the Micah Parsons kid. Really rare, rare athleticism, the ability to high point the ball, things that, you know, he's not a tight end. He's an athlete, and you got to look at him that way. I don't think he's an awful blocker. I mean, I think he's as good of a blocker as a Kelsey or a Waller. I think he can do the stick and stay stuff, the crackdown stuff. You're not drafting him to be an inline Y. You're drafting him to be a guy that can line in line and stretch the field down the seam or line up as a big slot and do a lot of things. So what you have to embrace is, Look, we're going to be in three wides even when we're in two wides because we're going to have two receivers. Then we're going to flex a guy out in a slot that you you got to match up and good luck matching up against him. So he's special, elite, athletic, you know, matchup, mismatch opportunities that that's a move tight end that uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's one of the top two, three players in this draft overall. I what? think he's, you know, with, with Lawrence and Penasel and Pitt. I'm not so sure that Pitts, you could make a case for him being the best player in this draft. Yeah. I think he's in that line with the Trevor Lawrence's, Panacele, you know, Jamar Chase type. So he's that good, and he could have that type of an impact if used correctly. You talked about Jamar Chase. Do you feel he is the best wide receiver in this draft, and how much does the size of Devontae Smith affect? He's obviously a first-round pick. He's going to be a high pick, but is that the difference between him and Chase, or is there more to it? Chase is a little bit bigger. It's it's really what you want. Jamar Chase is a more athletic version of an Anquan Bolton. Wow. J- Jalen Waddle is a is a Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. Devontae Smith has got a little Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Calvin Ridley type in him. I mean, how can you go wrong? They're all three great. I mean, it's it's a it's Miss America, and you've got the beautiful redhead, the blonde, <laughs> and the brunette. I mean, what, I mean, you know, hey, what's your flavor? I mean. What do you really like? So most people will go with a little bit more size. So that's what would that's where I think Chase is probably going to go first. I think Chase has got a good chance to go to Cincinnati at four. I think, it, you know, when you look across it, there's some people that, again, just, you know, what do you want? The, Galen is the speed guy that can attack deep. Uh, and maybe as good of a returner that's come out, um, maybe since Dante Hall or, I mean, he is elite. He is a pro bowl return guy in the NFL today. He is that good. Uh, elite level blue grade, you know, 
returner in and of itself and a great speed receiver. And Devontae is a guy that can line up at the X. He can line up on the slide. He's the best route runner of the bunch. Jalen Waddle was the number one receiver at Alabama, gets hurt, and Devontae Smith is the number one receiver in the country. I mean, sure. you know, they develop them. You can catch everything. You, you can't go wrong. All three of those guys are off the board pretty quickly. But probably Chase will go first only due to the preference, maybe with a Cincinnati with a little bit more size, and reunite with his buddy, Joe Burrow. Uh, remember this. Jamar Chase was the best receiver on LSU's team two years ago. He didn't play this past year, so out of sight, out of mind. But that championship run with LSU, Jamar Chase was the best receiver. And that includes Justin Jefferson, who was the best rookie receiver in the NFL last year with the Vikings. This guy was better. So you've got three elite receivers, and once those guys go off the board, probably in the top 15 picks, you're going to see two high second-round value receivers, Kadarius Tony, Terrence Marshall, another LSU receiver with some size, and Elijah Moore of Ole Miss, who is really, really explosive. You're going to see those guys go in the first round as well once because the because once you see the top three go off as high, somebody's, you know, a couple of people are going to say, well, we got to go up and get one of those guys or, or Rashad Baton from Minnesota. And I think you're going to see a couple of those, all three of those guys actually go in the first round. Chris, final thing for you. When you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, what do you see as their top need? Well, I think that there's a lot of spots that we look at and say, what's, where do their target? I think they've really struggled with fixing their secondary. I think they, the offensive line is kind of being rebuilt. I think those things kind of jump out at me as huge needs. When I, when I look at where they want to go, I, I think you got to really honor value. I think defense, the defensive side of the ball is really important. Signing Yannick Ndokwe is certainly a positive. But I think that certainly right tackle on offense, I think a free safety as they play more cover three under Gus Bradley. I think an offensive guard. I think a slight corner. I think adding a defensive tackle, you know, even though they signed Quentin Jefferson, I think there's a lot of needs there for this team, particularly on the defensive side. I, I do think that looking at them at 17, I think they'll get a really good tackle option. I think that um, there's maybe a safety option uh, with the kid from TCU. I think for some reason, Elijah Vera Tucker slips all the way to 17. That's great value. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber guard that can play right tackle. And then, you know, so I, I think that that's kind of my biggest thoughts about where their needs are. Uh, and I think uh, they've got to address that big time. Gruden handles the offense, and he's going to rely on his defense. As Gus and, and Rod, they're, they're going to kind of basically lead the way. You know, the, the, the GM there, Mayock, is more of a do the work behind the scenes. But the coaches are the real, you know, decision makers there is Gruden's making the making the call on it. They need some linebacker help, too. They re-signed Nicholas Morrow, but they need at least one linebacker to add to the mix. So there's yeah. secondary grant. They've missed a lot in the secondary. Gosh, they have addressed it and addressed it poorly. Uh, they've got to get that fixed once and for all. Well, again, I understand the situation. You give a guy $100 million for 10 years, and Gruden's making the, the decisions, but I, I, I just don't know if that's working or not, Chris. I mean, you look at the track record. You look at all the misses they've had on free agency. What's the saying? You know, just cook the food. I'll get you the groceries. You're the chef. Let me go buy your groceries. But obviously that's not the way it's working there with the Raiders, and I just wonder if that's not a real problem. Well, it is, but, you know, that's, that's what – 
Gruden wanted. He wanted control, and, and they hired a GM that was not an experienced or qualified GM to kind of work under Gruden. And so that's – you're correct. I think it's spotty. I think it's fair to say it's not working. And I would, I would go so far as to say if they don't hit it and things don't click right, then you really are questioning it. Now, I don't know, even with the increased money in Vegas, that Mark's going to do anything on, on John Gruden for a while. Uh, I think we're still at least a couple of more inferior seasons away before that becomes, you know, that's a, that's still a huge buyout. But I, I think the whole plan all along is, you know, they can throw the GM under the bus and, and hire somebody with a little more football background than, than maybe that could help things. But look, here's the thing. If you're going to make the decisions, you, you're having to rely on the people that are doing the evaluation underneath you that are giving you the right information. So a lot of it is, you know, particularly in the defensive side, all those misses. Yeah, John may make the final call, but he's relying on people underneath him, and, and it just hadn't worked out very well. I think they need a little bit stronger um, eye for personnel in that organization. Maybe that's <laughs> that's the move they would make before firing Gruden. I think that's that's what I'm getting at. But we'll see how well it works out and whether those uh, – whether the GM can save his job or not. I got to tell you, I just love talking to you, your knowledge, Landry football. Uh, I invite everyone to check out the website. I mean, it is just fabulous. And if you're not going to get there before the draft, I'm telling you their breakdown post draft is as good as anywhere you'll find Chris, keep up the great work. Uh, and thank you we'll, so much. We'll do it. And, and, and a, a quick plug, if I could, yeah. I will be covering, I will have an NFL draft show. So in addition to doing the, the, the website, we have podcasts and we also live, video streaming on television, on your smart TV, on Twitch TV. Come draft weekend, I will be pick by pick. I'm actually going to be doing behind the scenes. So in my draft room, as I do in my work for NFL teams with texts and DMs and all that, I'll be taking you behind the scenes of the draft, pick by pick, telling you what's going on, probably giving you picks before they're announced. You know, teams are moving up, what they're trying to do, giving you a look behind the scenes so check it out you can go to landryfootball.com click uh, follow chris on twitch sign up it's free and you can join me for all three days of the nfl draft grant i don't know you you, you that, i thought you taught me better but doing a solo draft show for eight hours i'm not, I'm not quite sure that i learned a whole lot from you that's not real smart but i'm gonna give it a go yeah you know i don't know if you drink a lot of coffee whether it's red bull or whatever but uh you know make you know best hey, of luck hey look yeah look, i don't drink a lot i may drink the hard stuff by the time i'm done and i don't drink the, i may need it <laughs> well i'll tell you that's great I, I do invite everyone to check it out again you know how i feel about you i think your stuff is the best so uh, i wish you the best on that draft day draft weekend and uh hopefully maybe down the road we can get you back on and kind of reassess and reevaluate once we get going with training camps and everything absolutely uh, anytime look forward to doing it again great to catch up with you again miss you and and look forward to doing it again real soon before we get to our Crowd Ultra Q&A, I want to tell you about AdLoad Technologies. It's a brand new innovative way to advertise your company. They utilize LED digital displays embedded in the back of semi-trailers. Looks phenomenal. Your message will always flow with traffic and capture attention of consumers in high traffic areas. Now, additionally, AdLoad can provide comprehensive and intelligent reporting, which gives you accurate impression counts and exposure to analyze your marketing strategy for the long term. Just go to adloadtechnologies.com for more information. That's A D. 
L-O-A-D, adloadtechnologies.com for additional information. We do get to our Crowd Ultra Q&A. Takes about a moment to sign up. If you haven't already done so, just go to crowdultra.com and maybe I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. Some very good questions to get to. Hard to believe we're getting to the end of April already. Sam wants to know, do you agree with Tom Brady saying the new numbers rule will make for a lot of bad football? You know, I got to tell you, when Tom Brady said that, I, I, I didn't really understand why he was saying it. And then I did a little more research. And it's very difficult for me to say that because from a football fan's perspective, I would say no. But, you know, a guy that's played in the NFL for over 20 years that's been to the Super Bowl 10 times, you know, I'm going to take his word on that. I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but he does. I'll tell you what, Sam, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if and what impact that has. Very interesting, though. Nick wants to know, do you think the A's got momentarily hot or will maintain momentum? Well, they're not going to win, you know, 12, 13 games in a row. But I love Bob Melvin, and every year the A's do this. I'm not surprised. Every single year, the Oakland A's, without a payroll, without anybody in their stadium, a team that nobody talks about, and you know what? They go out and they figure out a way to win and compete for the division and make the playoffs. As we know their problem, they have not been able to get out of the first round. And so that's something they got to do. But, yeah, I I like the A's. I've always liked the A's. I think Bob Melvin is uh, phenomenal. Cameron wants to know, why do teams miss so badly in drafts with busts like Jamarcus Russell? Because you can't ever truly know how a young man is going to go about his job when putting ink to paper becomes a multimillionaire and really doesn't have to work for the rest of his life. And... There are some where it makes absolutely no difference at all. It's a non-issue. And then others, it changes them greatly. I always remember the story that Jim Moore told Mike Lamb and I when we did the show together in Sacramento. And when Jim Moore was coaching the Colts, they had the number one pick in the draft. And he tells the story that they brought in both Peyton Manning And Ryan Leaf, the top two players in the draft that year. And the question was, what are you going to do if we draft you? And Peyton Manning said, well, I'm going to be in the facility with the playbook the next day, and I'm going to be ready to get to work. And Ryan Leaf's answer was, I'm going to get my buddies, and we're going to go to Hawaii for a week to celebrate. And Jim Moore said that was one of the most telling answers to a question that he's ever heard. And think about that for a minute. That That's pretty remarkable, is it not? So they're a bust. It's just very difficult to predict. Hey, if no one made mistakes, then there would be a lot more teams that would be good in the world of sports. All right, let's move on. Alan wants to know, would you rather have Mac Jones or Trey Lance? Well, quite frankly, I'm not a crystal ball guy. I think Mac Jones is more ready to play in the NFL right now based on all the experts and all the people that I've read. Trey Lance may have more of an upside. The problem with Lance, he hasn't played in a long time and he's from North Dakota State. Doesn't mean you can't be a really good NFL player coming out of a school like that. 
but you already know that Mac Jones, big stage, big time player. He's got a lot of attributes that are NFL ready right now. If I'm the 49ers, I'm taking Mac Jones, but I know there are a lot of people that are really high on Lance. Jay wants to know, what do you think about Jeannie Buss's top five most important Lakers? Kobe Bryant, Kareem, LeBron, Magic, and Phil Jackson. Well, first of all, you can take Phil Jackson and take him right off the list. All right, that, that, that's ridiculous. Um, Kobe, yes. Kareem, yes. Magic, yes. I would not put LeBron on there. Uh, he won one championship. I think, no, I cannot put LeBron as one of the top five most important Lakers. I mean, what about Jerry West? What about Will Chamberlain? I mean, I can go back, you know, to that era. I can't have Phil Jackson on there. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I think a lot of coaches could have won with the Lakers' talent. And I can't have LeBron on there. So I don't agree with uh, her uh, top five. Sam or Sean wants to know, how much does a head coach matter in the NBA? Well, of course it matters. That's for darn sure. But if you don't have the players that you can go out and compete with night in, night out, then your coach becomes less of a factor. But yeah, coaching is important in the NBA. I don't I don't think there's any question about that, but you know, you still have to have the players in order to win uh, at this level. Uh Jake wants to know, "Hey Grant, I love listening to you while I eat lunch. Who's the biggest waste of money in the MLB?" Well, I think there are two that come to my mind. One is John Carlos Stanton or uh, John Carlos Stanton, Stanton, rather. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the uh my second answer. Uh but uh Stanton of the Yankees is uh, just a joke. I'm sorry, you know, just a joke. Uh, I mean, am I wrong? Uh, I, I I don't see it. And Bryce Harper to me is also way overpaid. So Stanton and Harper are my two guys. Stephen, with a very good question, to what extent do you think LeBron has damaged the NBA? It's a great, great, great question. Either everyone I speak to is lying to me or being somewhat deceitful because they're afraid of how I will take their answer. But in my opinion, okay, I think LeBron has done so much harm to the NBA with his recent tweet about the police officer in Columbus and being very selective with his noise when it comes to hate, as Mitch Album has said. And I think that this year's ratings in the playoffs are going to be near an all-time low. I think the finals and the ratings are going to be absolutely awful. And again, just being out and about, and again, as I've said on this podcast, and on my rants, when I talk to people, they don't know who I am. They don't know I'm an NBA announcer or a former NBA announcer. They don't know. So they're, we, we get in conversations. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of people that have told me they're done with the NBA. They're not watching it. They're done with it. And I did a rant on this last week. And I got to tell you, you know, as I'm recording this on Monday and you're listening to this on Tuesday, you know, to me, the league cannot, the league is not, approaching this in the right way, in my opinion. You can't stand for being in the forefront of social justice and Black Lives Matter and equality for all and have the number one player in your league come out 
like LeBron did last week towards that police officer in Columbus. You cannot remain silent, okay? You can't be Doc Rivers, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, Stan Van Gundy, and not say a peep about it. You can't be Adam Silver in the league and not come out and make any comment at all and expect that your fans and that sports fans in general are going to be, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh-uh, no. No, it's not fine. It's, it's a, in my opinion, it's a big mistake. And it was a big mistake in my opinion, and I said so, when the NBA went overboard with their messaging in the bubble in Orlando as it related to social justice. And Adam Silver, to his credit, a man that I have a lot of respect for, came out and said as much after the season ended. And I just wonder, and the commissioner's in a very difficult spot here. I wouldn't want to be the commissioner of the NBA right now, but I think Adam Silver is making a mistake. I think Michelle Roberts, the head of the Players Association, is making a mistake by remaining quiet as if LeBron's tweet last week never occurred. It's a great question. It's a great question, Stephen. And I think it's damaged the NBA significantly. Significantly. Rich wants to know, how would I grade the Orlando Brown Jr. trade? Of course, he's going to Kansas City. I think it's a phenomenal move for the Kansas City Chiefs. Phenomenal. I'm still surprised that they were able to do that. I think it is absolutely phenomenal. Ricky wants to know, which sport do you think is the best to gamble on? I think the best sport to gamble on is the sport that you win on the most. Dave wants to know, have you ever caught a home run or foul ball at a game? I have not. Rob wants to know, could Kyle Pitts be the best player in this draft? I was just talking about him, yes, and and as was Chris Landry. Yeah, I really do. Uh, I think he could be the best player in the draft. Kyle wants to know if I consider golf or bowling a sport. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin wants to know if I like the idea of the Marvel NBA telecast for the Warriors-Pelicans game. Here's what I, I don't know anything about the Marvel NBA telecast. I couldn't tell you what it is. What I will tell you is that when a sport needs to go to gimmicks, okay, that's because their sport is hurting. That's how I would interpret that. Just my opinion. Casey says, not sure if you read this, but thought you'd enjoy hearing about this man who bowled a 300 with a ball filled with his father's ashes. Then he sent me the link. I did see that, Casey. Remarkable. It was. Absolutely uh, unbelievable. Just Remarkable. Hey, Crowd Ultra, thank you so much. Go to crowdultra.com, sign up, ask me a question. I'll be happy to answer it right here on my podcast. It's time for Rant. 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 Hey, today's rant's brought to you by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below the waist grouping. Hey, did you know that one guy every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? So this is a reminder to all of the men listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Now, together, TCS and Manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Now, Manscaped recommends you check yourself once a month, and if you do feel any lumps or swelling, Give your 
Dr. Ricole. In addition to checking yourself regularly, you want to make sure your sack is looking fresh and clean with the Manscaped Perfect 3.0 package. Inside the Perfect Package, you're going to find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Well, as we've been talking about on this podcast, the NFL draft finally coming up on Thursday, and the draft really begins this year at number three because we know that Lawrence and Wilson, barring an unforeseen crazy miracle, will go one and two, respectively, to Jacksonville and the New York Jets. So for all intents and purposes, this year's draft starts at number three with the San Francisco 49ers on the clock. And the one thing we already know, there are going to be a lot of pissed off 49er fans on Thursday because they all think that they're experts. They all think that they know more than the organization. And yeah, it's fun to get involved in the draft and it's fun to say, hey, remember I said they should take this guy and they didn't they blah, blah, blah. You know how that works. Here's what we do know. All right. You can only take one guy. I think they're going to take Mac Jones, but what the hell do I know? You got Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Raise your hand if you really know anything about Trey Lance. I mean, stop it already. You got Justin Fields out of Ohio State. And again, one of those quarterbacks is going to be going to the San Francisco 49ers at number three. Now, here's what I do know, and I have been saying this for many, many, many years. You're not going to know on draft night. You're not going to know at minicamp. You're not going to know at training camp. And in all likelihood, you're really not going to know after the first year whether or not you took the right player. I mean, look at Sam Darnold with the Jets. He's no longer with that team. He was taken second overall. And he's now with the Carolina Panthers. Just use him as one example. The 49ers may end up taking the very best player in this draft. They may end up taking a bust at the quarterback position. But you and I won't know that answer for at least a year. Okay. now, when I say at least a year, I mean, I think you look at Justin Herbert last year and what he did with the Chargers and you know that he's going to be really good. I think you take a look at Joe Burrow before he tore his ACL and you said, wow, they got themselves a franchise quarterback. Yeah. You know, you, you could have a pretty good inkling, but maybe it's a guy that takes two or three years to develop. I mean, if they take Trey Lance, you're not going to know after this year. You're not going to know whether or not they took the right guy, in my opinion. So sit back, relax, enjoy the freaking draft on Thursday. And if they don't take the guy that you think they should, you may be wrong. You may be wrong. So sit back, root for your team, and see what happens. I, for one, can't wait for the draft to come and go so that we can move on with the next chapter of NFL football. And that's my rant for today. And that's my podcast for today. My thanks to Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. If you want to check out my video rant, just go to YouTube. Same name if you don't like that with Grant Napier. Really appreciate your support. Hey, do me a favor. If you are listening via Apple Podcasts, if you would just take a moment to rate the podcast, give me a quick review. Uh, It would mean the world to me. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your support, and thank you for joining me right here, if you don't like that, with Grant Napier.